Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. Today's episode features Jennifer Bonita. In Jen's new role at Musician, she fulfills her passion of connecting artists with their fans. Coming over from the label side, Jen has worked with all sorts of artists, including pop, comedy, K-pop, and more, strategizing new releases, distribution, and marketing. Listen in as she shares what it's like to climb the ranks at major labels, including Universal, Concord, and The Orchard. If you're looking for tips on how to grow your own career as an artist or just looking to break in on the business end, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. Jen, thank you for being on the podcast. I'm really stoked. Thanks so much for having me, Harrison. It's great to be here. I think that the best way for us to get started here so people get to know a little bit about who you are. Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role in the music industry and what you do day to day? Yeah, so I currently work at a music education platform called Musician. It's the leading platform for learning how to play music. We offer guitar, bass, piano, voice, and also ukulele. And people can go on there and learn how to play an instrument. It's really interactive. You learn how to play popular songs. You go through a course syllabus, and we really guide users through um, their musical journey. A new initiative that we've been doing is partnering with artists, um, which is such a beautiful and natural way to really encourage people how to play music is to do that alongside your favorite artist. So we've been working with artists in a variety of ways that we're really excited to start launching this year. It's all about inspiring people to learn how to play an instrument. So when you say partnering with artists, does that mean that it's kind of like a masterclass that the artist will teach? Or is it like one-on-one time that people can actually get with their artist? So it's a little bit like a masterclass where, you know, you're watching, you're watching videos about the artist, you're getting, you know, inspiration from the artist about their musical journey. Um, And the great thing about musician as well is we inspire people through our app and through tools to learn how to play. So you're actually practicing the songs by the artist and you get tutorials. So it's a little bit, it's like a course where you're playing alongside the artist and then you're also practicing sing the instrument as well. So you're really, you know, we really try to have like that cohesive type of teaching where you get a little bit about everything. So that content from the artists as well as tools to help you play their favorite songs. This sounds really cool. As a guitar teacher myself, I think that this is a very valuable resource. It is. Now we're like a sponsored ad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think what I really love about Musician too is it's just so fun. So I grew up learning how to play classical violin. And if anyone has learned how to play an instrument, it's very not fun in the beginning. You know, you're doing a lot of etudes and scales and you're kind of in the weeds with trying to learn how to play an instrument. And, you know, the great thing about musician is, you know, you log in and you really start playing a song right away. And then there's the backing track and like you're playing. And even though it's a very simplified version to start, you feel like you're in a band and you're really playing an instrument, which is really inspiring because it makes you feel like you're really kind of progressing um, in a different way. And that's what I love about it is it really makes you feel like you're a musician really soon after starting to play. Yeah, I think it's very important for anybody who's learning a new instrument to really connect with it. 
And the best way to connect with it is by playing the songs that you really enjoyed listening to mm-hmm. so that then you can actually just forget listening on Spotify. You could just play it yourself. Yeah. And there's that connection. You know, you could listen to a song and love the artist, but when you're actually playing music from the artist, I think that's just another connection. And it's really passing on artistry from the musician onto another inspiring musician, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And, you know, at Musician, we really believe everyone's a musician, which I think is also great and very different than what I've experienced in my life, where it was like, you know, you were really trying to to be the great musician and be perfect. And I think that we should all aspire to that, but I think there's beauty in that. You should just play for the love of playing music and you don't need to be a professional musician and you can just play for yourself or play for your family and you don't need to get every note right or you can play a song in your own way to make it simpler. And I think that that's been refreshing, especially coming from a classical background that's so regiment to actually be in a space where it's like, everyone should play, like play the wrong note. You're still a musician, (laughs) which I think is really great. That sounds really awesome. So talk to us a little bit about your day to day, like your senior manager, artist relations. What does that mean? Does that mean that you're responsible then to try and build those partnerships with the artists and their teams? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Um, You know, it's not unlike working, you know, at a record label or in management. I think we're really starting a lot of these great opportunities from the ground up since this is a brand new initiative. And that's been really exciting. It's been exciting to work with our internal teams of, you know, how we're going to incorporate these artist opportunities and product, how we're going to work with other teams within the the organization, and then how these opportunities are going to look like with the artists we work with and how can we make these opportunities fun for them and, you know, really interesting and tap into the passions about music education that so many artists have. Also helping them potentially promote a new project that they might have coming. So it's a mix of working internally on what those partnerships look like and then also working with artists and making them fun and, and compelling and really interesting for their fans and, and users at Musician. Awesome. This sounds perfect. It sounds like a really great opportunity for you. It sounds like a great opportunity for any of your users. And like I said before, as a guitar teacher and like I'm a self-taught musician, which I'm mediocre at best, you know, I'm not good (laughs) enough to play professionally, but I can really speak to the passion of learning an Mm -hmm. instrument. And it's so important to have some sort of guidance, like something that's in between your violin practice or your violin lessons and Mm -hmm. like a YouTube video right? You need to have something that's sort of in between there. Yes, exactly. What I know that everyone is dying to know is like how you actually got to where you are, because you're working a job where you're working directly with artists. You're working at a tech company, really. It's an ed tech company, right? It's education technology. Mm -hmm. And you have so much experience in your arsenal from like working at labels. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So where are you from originally? I'm from a town in Pennsylvania called Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. It's um, near Scranton. I always say that because of the office. Everyone could like relate to the office. But yeah, it's a small town in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. You know, it's very, it's an old coal mining town. So it's, you know, it's maybe not as small town as you would say. But for me, I felt like it was a pretty small town. And that's where I grew up, born and raised. And I, I actually started really getting into music when there was an underage punk rock club um, in town. 
It was called Cafe Metropolis and it was a hole in the wall punk rock club that was underage. And I started going there in high school, just seeing all these amazing bands. Like who? I've seen, so this was in like the pop punk era. So this is when Steel Train, I probably saw Steel Train like in a room of like a handful of people. That's Jack Antonoff's band, right? Yes. I love all his work. And I always tell everyone I've loved him since Steel Train. Um, and that's the truth. I'm such an admirer of his talent and his work over the years and have really been uh, on his musical journey for a long time as a fan. Um, I love just like going there and my mom would drop me off because I obviously didn't, you know, have a driver's license. And like these people with like these huge mohawks would be waiting outside and she would just kind of shake her head. And but the, everyone was so nice and kind and cool. And it was like being at home. I just loved it there. And, you know, she began to learn too, that it was like totally a safe space, even though that like the impression may not have seemed so, but, um, I always had so much fun there and it was never like, I never had like any weird things happen. It was always like the nicest people. And I think that that's just where I fell in love with just like the scene of it all and just feeling like I was at home. So if I had to ask you what your favorite Steel Train song is, now that this is just for me, because I'm a big Steel Train fan as well. Oh, my gosh. Trying to think which one it was. I feel like it had like a sun on it. That probably had their cover of Bad Moon Rising. Twilight Tales. Yeah. Uh, I remember listening to that record so much. Yeah. You know, I don't really know if they ever toured in Canada. I never got to see them, but they're so talented. Yeah, because I think that that album had Better Love, it had Two O'Clock. So you were like a teenager at that point. You were still living at home. Mm -hmm. Where did you go for college and what did you study? Yeah, so I actually started, you know, I changed schools. So I started, I actually went to school for music business, like at Mansfield University for two years, but it was more focused on like the actual business of like instruments and business. And I just, I wanted to work in the music business and this, it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And, you know, I thought, you know, I need to kind of switch gears. So I ended up transferring out and graduating from Wilkes University with a degree in business and marketing. And then, you know, I minored in music because I felt that that was kind of just like a little bit of a better direction. Plus it gave me a little bit of variety. And, you know, so I graduated from there and I interned at like an orchestra, you know, I was like in arts administration in a small town, but I think the concept of actually going to either New York or LA during my time in school to intern just wasn't, I just feel like that just wasn't available to me. I think, you know, I was working summers or I was taking classes at community colleges and to pick up and go to New York and like intern somewhere just like was not something that I was going to be able to do. This is Perfect, because there's so many people that listen to the podcast that are in a very similar position where it's like, you might feel like New York and LA is like the everything, but it's not. Yeah. Now you're in New York, right? Yeah, now I'm in New York and I did move. So after college, so, you know, I think you do have to like give yourself the time and space to try and make something happen in some way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, given I was all four years of school, like 
not going on spring breaks, not taking semesters abroad and really just like hunkering down and like finishing school in a cost-effective way. So I did take time after. So after I graduated, I was like, I need to do this for myself. I need to figure out a way to like try to make this happen. And so I took a six month music industry course in Hollywood at the Musicians Institute. Cool. And yeah, it was really cool. I think I needed a catalyst to kind of, how do I leave Pennsylvania? How do I just go and like try to make this happen? And I feel like that was like a little bit of a stepping stone to get me into the environment of being around people that worked in music, getting out of the small town, trying to somehow make this happen. So I took a little money out and moved to LA and started this program. And that was like kind of just at least a key again to like the first step. And how do I, how do I get this dream going? So what did you really learn in this program then, like in this music business certificate that you felt like maybe you didn't have this knowledge before? Yeah, I mean, they have very specific music courses. And I think I think maybe now it would be different for people because I just feel like the resources out there and the things are completely different than they were like when I was starting out. But um, and I feel like there's lots of knowledge out there that can be had. I was so green. Like I knew two sides of it. I knew that record labels existed and I knew I loved to go to shows. And then I also, and I knew the record labels existed because during that time, record labels like drive through records, as an example, had such strong branding and they were like putting out the bands that I loved that I was like, oh, they're working with the bands that I love. I want to work there. Um, And that was really my only sense of like what they did and how I would do it. So the certificate program gave me the opportunity to really take classes like running a record label, what is music publishing, um, you know, music marketing, and just like very specific. This is like a baseline of how like the music industry works. So that was, do you necessarily need to do like a postgraduate? Because I was like the oldest, one of the oldest people in my like classes, because a lot of people were using the certificate as like a college substitute. Right. And I was like the oldest one, probably one of the oldest there because I had already gone to college, you know, and so it was definitely like a little bit of a disconnect there. But I think for me, it really served its purpose. I'm a little bit of a believer in like, you know, like the law of attraction. Like if you put that much stuff out there, you're bound to get that back. And I think I was in the environment around my peers that wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, I was able to start interning at a marketing firm that was run by one of the people that taught one of the classes mm-hmm. and I was networking with them. And so it was just like a matter of like, I was going to shows obviously. So it was like all of those things together. I felt like something was bound to kind of connect as far as an opportunity. So I think that that's very interesting that you said that, you know, being a little bit older and a little bit more mature going into this program probably really benefited you because if you felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect between you and some of your peers, which is normal if, you know, you're 22 or 23 and everyone else is like 18, right? Yeah. But then it also kind of puts you in a position where I'm sure your teachers noticed that, that you were a little bit older and a little bit more mature and maybe a little bit more serious. Yeah, definitely. It opens up the opportunities for you really because they're like, okay, like this girl gets it. You know, like she she's here to learn, to use this as like her next step. And so the people that teach these programs are already immersed in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. especially if you went to California. So how did that guide your career? Like, who did you end up meeting that might have really opened a few doors for you? 
I think I, I did meet quite a few great people. I think the biggest thing was getting some internship experience under my belt. So by rights, they wanted everyone to get one semester in of school. And then the second semester you intern somewhere. But since I like already had gone to college, I had used that as I went up to the professor at the time. Um, his name's Jason Feinberg. And he has, you know, an amazing career in the music industry. And I was said to him, I said, I already went to college. Like I want to start now this semester. So I ended up starting like really on day one interning for him um, at his online marketing firm at the time. And then I was there for two semesters. So I got a little bit of extra internship experience, which was really helpful. And at the time, you know, online marketing was very different than digital marketing is now where, um, you know, this is before TikTok and Instagram and all that. What year was this at? Um, what year it was. So let me see. I graduated from college in 2005. So this was like 2006, 2007. Yeah. Okay. I worked on, you know, some great campaigns there. And then afterwards, you know, again, I was still connecting with my peers, still going to shows still, but I was also just applying for jobs online, like everyone else. And I think that it often gets the stigma of like, you're never going to get hired applying online. Right. But honestly, I got another internship off Craigslist that turned into a job. (laughs) It goes to show if you put yourself out there, you never know what is going to come your way. Yeah. And I think it's, it's again, the law of attraction where I was just doing everything and I wasn't relying on one thing. I wasn't relying just on networking. I wasn't relying just on this. I was really doing all the things. And even now I still do that. Like in my career, when I'm in the position of, I want to look for a new opportunity or do like, you have to kind of just put everything out there and then you kind of see what comes back. And sometimes it's better or different than what you thought. And I think that that is just case in point, like of all the things I was doing, that's like kind of how I got into the music business, which is very funny because you can't imagine an opportunity like that coming via Craigslist of all places. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm sure there must have been so many people applying to these same jobs. So how do you stand out as a prime candidate for these positions? I think it gets easier almost as you get more experience. I think the first gig is always the hardest. I think what really helped is that I had that internship experience before, which I got through school. So I think it it helps to get some type of experience somewhere, even if it's, you know, if I was home in Pennsylvania, I probably could have went down to the club that I loved going to and try to figure out how to help them because they were obviously had enough context to get these amazing bands in that I'm sure I would have met somebody. So I think that there's always, you know, just finding a way of, gaining some experience or at least helping somebody out to try and again, attract some kind of momentum to try and lead to that first gig. Cause that's, that's the hardest. I think the first gig is the hardest. Yeah. I think that you're a hundred percent right. Hey everyone, just wanted to check back in and shout all of you out who are taking the time to check out the podcast, especially those of you who have been sharing it with your friends and writing me such nice messages on Apple podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you or someone you know has an awesome story that you think should be shared with the world, feel free to write me directly on any of our socials at The First Act Podcast. Until then, stay safe.